lots of Republicans voted for me in the Senate to substitute its judgment for the people in picking a president. They are ready for someone to take the reins. We need more engagement in this public discourse and not less. Just listen. I think that's what I need to do is just really listen. What's up, Tennessee? Welcome to TriStar Talk. I'm Jeff Patterson, here to give you the latest on Tennessee politics. If you haven't, don't forget to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TriStar Talk. Remember those face masks that Bill Lee ordered in a no-bid process where he gifted a sock manufacturer millions of dollars? Then it turned out the masks weren't medical grade and didn't do really anything to stop any virus because they were so porous. Well, the state of Tennessee stopped providing residents with those free face masks because the fabric from the masks contained an antimicrobial silver pesticide. It is a toxic pesticide. So it became clear it was probably actually more dangerous to even wear those masks. Again, masks that the state decided to have manufactured without any other bids, without any involvement from medical professionals whatsoever. Another blunder from Governor Lee's administration. And it's pretty unsurprising they haven't been willing to consult medical experts on much of their response to COVID-19. So it's unsurprising that they're continuing to run into problems. It wasn't his only loss. Again, we did briefly discuss the ruling from a judge in Nashville that the absentee ballot process here in Tennessee needed to be more robust. They needed to eliminate the restrictions on absentee voting. And this comes as Lee's administration and many of the Republicans here in Tennessee have continued to spread misinformation, making up statistics and lying about voter fraud because they don't want more people voting. And I just wanted to go through the judge's opinion on that so that Y'all were aware of the facts and y'all were aware of why the judge decided that it was limiting people's right to vote by not expanding absentee the absentee process in the midst of COVID-19. So here's what the judge wrote. In this time of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic and its contagion in gatherings of people, almost all states, both Republican and Democrat, are providing their citizens the health protection of a voting by mail option. This includes southern states, such as Alabama, South Carolina, and Arkansas, and Tennessee's neighboring state of Kentucky and nearby West Virginia. The governors, state officials, and legislators in those states have spearheaded efforts to expand access to voting by mail to protect the health of their citizens during the pandemic. The plaintiffs in this case, which were the individuals whose health would be threatened if they voted in person, alleged that it would be impossible or unreasonable for them to vote in person at a polling station in upcoming elections due to the risk of contracting or transmitting the COVID-19 virus. And to be clear, the plaintiffs do not seek for the state to permanently switch to universal and automatic vote by mail in Tennessee. They are asking for a temporary easing of the restrictions of voting by mail limited to the time of the pandemic. The state has refused and it is maintaining the requirement for in-person voting. And the state's response to the pandemic is to provide social distancing and sanitation measures at polling places. Significantly, however, one of the most prominent features of social distancing, wearing masks, cannot be compelled of voters, but only encouraged at polling stations. 
Thus, persons who choose not to wear a mask cannot be denied access to the polling place and present exposure to others. So the plaintiffs whose whose health is at risk by voting in person rest their case on Article 1, Section 5, and Article 4, Section 1 of the Tennessee Constitution, which is more explicit in guaranteeing Tennesseans the right to vote than the counterpart federal constitution. The Tennessee Constitution provides that the right of suffrage as hereinafter declared, shall never be denied to any person entitled thereto. But the state's position on this is unapologetic. It claims they that unlike, and I and I love the way that the the judge says this. It claims that unlike the can-do approach of two thirds of the United States, who have for years allowed any voter to vote by mail, and eleven more states that have relaxed voting by mail for the 2020 election due to the pandemic, that it is somehow impossible for the state of Tennessee in a state of emergency to expand access to voting by mail on a temporary basis. The state provides scenarios and calculations of lack of money, personnel and equipment for increased voting by mail, and they cite their fear of increased voter fraud from voting by mail. So the court's job here is simple. The issue for this court is whether in this time of the pandemic, the state's construction and application of Tennessee law constitutes an unreasonable and discriminatory burden on the fundamental right to vote vigorously guaranteed by the Tennessee Constitution. And again, what does it say? The right of suffrage shall never be denied. That's the standard we're looking at here. And after studying the evidence in the law and considering the arguments, the court finds that the evidence does not support the state's claim that it is impossible for it to provide expanded access to voting by mail. And I just want to interject briefly here. What is the other recourse if you are trying to expand voting and a state just says, no, we can't do that? If people are demanding it, the state should say, "Okay, how can we do this? Because so many people need it because it is expanding voting rights. I mean, it's crazy. But the court goes on that the evidence and the assumptions that the state has employed in its fiscal and resource calculations are oddly skewed and not in accordance with the methodology of its own expert and industry standards. Evidence establishes that the resources that are are there to provide temporary expanded access to voting by mail in Tennessee during the pandemic if the state provides the leadership and motivation as other states have done. And as to voter fraud, the state's own expert debunks and rejects that as a reason for not expanding access to voting by mail. So from this evidence and using the legal standard of the Anderson, of Anderson Burdick, the court concludes that the state's restrictive interpretation and application of Tennessee's voting by mail law during the unique circumstances of the pandemic constitutes an unreasonable burden on the fundamental right to vote guaranteed by the Tennessee Constitution. Accordingly, the plaintiffs are entitled to issuance of a temporary injunction. So the Anderson verdict test they're referring to is a balancing test. If a court determines that an election law imposes a severe burden, then strict scrutiny applies. And if strict scrutiny applies, the government must carefully justify its practice without receiving any, any deference or any presumption of correctness. But if the burden the law imposes is not severe, then a lower level balancing test applies in which the court weighs the burdens the law imposes against the state's interest in its electoral practice. The threshold question, which is really, really important, is does the law impose a severe burden? 
and that's not a term that's very clear. And the law in Tennessee follows that the United States Supreme Court has rejected the notion that strict scrutiny applies to every statute imposing a burden on the right to vote under the U.S. Constitution. So it's not just presumed to be a severe burden. They keep this flexible standard. That's just that's just the way the law is right now. And so the judge just had to interpret this question of the absentee process and, and, and voter rights in this lens by weighing out whether what kind of burden it was it was posing on the plaintiffs by not allowing them to vote absentee, even though they did not meet any of the qualifications necessary to vote by absentee under the current laws of Tennessee. The state made its two arguments. One, that it's not financially or logistically possible to get vote by mail going. And two, that there's going to be widespread voter fraud. There was no evidence to support either. And as to whether it was possible, logistically possible to do this, the court points out that 10 states in a matter of a few months were able to expand vote by mail to everyone, including Arkansas, Alabama, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Virginia. Kentucky, Virginia, and Indiana did this in a shorter time than this case even presented. The court found that the state has enough ballots for everyone. The state received $10 million in federal funds for the 2020 elections. And in the words of the the expert witness that they called voter fraud was not was not something that they were even worried about. Their their expert witness was the was Washington's Secretary of State, who was also in charge of administering elect elections in his own state. So the Nashville judge ordered the state to start issuing absentee ballots to any registered voter who requests one. But state election coordinator Mark Goins is telling local officials not to comply. It's unbelievable. The judge said, you have to do this. And the state responds, no, we're going to do what we want anyway. That is not how this works. A judge's order is effective when they sign it. And that's that. They have to comply. They can't just wait around and appeal and see if they can get a better ruling on appeal. That's what they tried to do with the voucher program. And the judge said, no, you can't do that. So they shouldn't really be surprised that they have to listen to what a judge says because that's how it works for everyone else. And I just wanted to make sure that you all were very aware of that decision. Voting is a fundamental right. And the party in power here in Tennessee does not believe that. Or they just want to make it as hard as possible for people to vote. And I think that that's in no small part due to the fact that if Everyone voted in Tennessee. It's possible that they could lose their majority. Switching gears, I want to talk a little bit about the Black Lives Matter protests that are taking place last Thursday at Bicentennial Park, a major, major youth-led march against against racism and police brutality brought over 10,000 people to the park to march through downtown and in the midst of all of this, in the midst of a protest about police brutality, unfair police practices, the Metro Nashville Police Department announced that they obtained warrants for the arrest of three people, including Justin Jones and Janisha Harris, two of Nashville's most well-known young black activists. And this was allegedly for felony aggravated rioting after the protests on, on the Saturday before this rally. But less than three hours after Metro Nashville Police Department's announcement, 
And as Jones and Harris were preparing to turn themselves in, the police released another statement. This one announced that the warrants had been recalled after Davidson County's district attorney, Glenn Funk, and the Metro National Police Department reviewed additional information. Glenn Funk said that there was not evidence to support an arrest warrant based on what they had. Apparently, the police had a photo of Jones standing on top of a destroyed cop car or something like that. So instead of responding to these protests and saying, how can we change our practices? What can we do to keep our community safer? The Metro Nashville Police Department decided instead that they were going to try to arrest more black people. And I went to the vigil that was being led by Jones. I never heard him call for anything except a peaceful protest, which is what the police departments have been asking for anyway. And they, this is how they respond, by trying, by trying to have him arrested. Metro Council member Dave Rosenberg said in a tweet that the initial charges against these two reeked of vengeance. If there was not more to the story, he added, the episode was another example of why we need a new police chief. And Metro Council member Freddie O'Connell said, we have reached the point of absurdity, adding that he encouraged Mayor Cooper to ask for the resignation of Metro Police Chief Steve Anderson. These comments echo what at-large Metro Council member Bob Mendez said he, he also called for Anderson's removal. These protests are essentially a performance review, and we are telling our police department here in Nashville that they are not doing what we want them to do, and they just take offense to that. And then they do whatever they can to quiet any kind of dissent, but they will not be able to keep that many people quiet for long. Again, over 10,000 people were at the most recent protest, and the police were there. They were out in riot gear protecting the honky-tonks on Broadway. But what they should be doing is protecting the protectors who are in the streets demanding accountability from our police. They don't like it when we're peaceful. They don't like it when we riot. They just don't like being told what to do. And that is not up to the police. Scenes of police across the country show cops beating protesters for protesting police violence. It makes zero sense. And this is the type of stuff that authoritarianism is built on, using force to quiet dissent. Police will beat people on the streets, and I don't know too many people who would be surprised if someone hits back. If you are being strangled and are struggling to breathe, is it reasonable to expect that a person will not fight for their own life? Police use intimidation so they don't have to change, and we're not going to take it anymore. We demand accountability. We demand change, and it's our voice that should matter. And I've been trying to come up with more ways that I can help with this. I have tried to get in contact with my council member to let her know that we need to give our community oversight board more teeth. The Metro Nashville Community Oversight Board has the power to investigate allegations that police department officers have committed misconduct against members of the public, as well as issue policy advisory and resolution reports assessing allegations of misconduct by the police department issue recommendations to agencies involved in public safety and the administration of justice, and it has the option of establishing a monitoring program that provides an ongoing review or audit of the complaint process administered by the police department's Office of Professional Accountability or equivalent internals affair program in the police department. But their efforts are hamstrung 
by Police Chief Anderson's rejection of their authority. Um, a recent press release from the board highlighted how uncooperative the police department really is. It said earlier today, Metropolitan Nashville Community Oversight was notified of a police officer involved shooting. Today's police involved shooting marks three such occurrences in less than a month. And MMPD's lack of cooperation with the MNCO continues to be a glaring indictment of the issues that served as the initial catalyst for community oversight. Following notification of the police-involved shooting, the board board director and members of her leadership team arrived on the scene where they were then directed to stand with the public and media. For over two hours, the executive director and members of her leadership team were not briefed or even acknowledged by the Metro National Police Department. Unlike the total disregard shown to the community oversight staff, the police department's Office of Professional Accountability Director and her investigators were welcome to access the scene by Metro Police as soon as they arrived. The full involvement and engagement of the MNCO is not optional because transparency and trust between the Nashville community and the police department is not optional. As these incidents are investigated and reviewed, the Community Oversight Board is calling on Mayor Cooper and Chief Anderson to commit to ensuring that these processes are transparent and that information is released as it becomes available. Put simply, there cannot be another life lost while Metro Nashville Police Department contemplates if they will cooperate with the Community Oversight Board. The community of Nashville has demanded that accountability, transparency, cooperation, and collaboration happen immediately. And I completely agree with that. They shouldn't have a choice on whether they listen to people or not. That's not their job. They work for us. Their job is to protect us, and we demand more accountability. If you live in Nashville, do not forget to reach out to your council member. It can be an email. You can call them. They are supposed to listen to you. We are tired of waiting. We are tired of hoping that the police will do the right thing. It's time to hold them accountable and to make sure that they are carrying out their duty to make our communities safer. That's it for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Again, don't forget to subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TriStarTalk. I'm Jeff Patterson. Thanks for listening.